This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Brain fog, shortness of breath, chest pain. Those are some of the lingering COVID-19 symptoms affecting millions of Americans more than three years after the pandemic began. And a new study sheds new light on what's causing long COVID and how to best care for patients. Joining us now to share their experiences are Patrick Malia from West Dundee, a far northwest suburb of Chicago. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And Sarah Burzma from Michigan. Hi, Sarah. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you. You were both diagnosed with COVID in the early months of the pandemic. You are both actually still experiencing symptoms today. So tell us about the issues you're dealing with, Sarah. I'll start with you. Yeah. So March of 2020, um, you know, obviously three years ago, I had, you know, upper, a lot of upper respiratory um, fevers and things of that nature. And so still today, um, if I overexert myself, I feel the uh, extreme fatigue um, and I'll have some upper respiratory uh, problems that I'll feel. My smell and taste is off as well and definitely some brain fog. Um, and I'm, I get sick a lot easier than I ever used to before. I was quite healthy prior to this. So just some mm-hmm. lingering things that still continue to to come up uh, here and there, but thankfully not as often as it was prior. What about you, Patrick? Very similar. Um, got sick in March of 2020. Um, still having issues with fatigue, brain fog, memory. Um, I have a lot of weakness in my extremities, especially my hands. There's times where I'll drop my phone because it's too heavy, mm. um, things like that. Uh, still forget a lot of things like where I've parked my car, um, stuff like that. And the the fatigue can be crippling at times, especially if I overdo it physically. Yeah, I'm hearing that the brain fog, Patrick, is, is really affecting your day-to-day. Um, and you were telling our, our producer sometimes you even forget how to get to work in the morning. I I did actually. Um, it was about, it's been a little over a year since I ran into that problem, but I I forgot how to get to work. Um, I worked at the same place for almost eight years, and I was on my way to work, and I just completely blanked out. Had no idea where I was. Wow. Um, the brain fog was just overwhelming. Uh, I pulled over and called my wife, and I said, "I have no idea where I am," and she's like. She was calm. She said, describe where you are. I told her exactly what I saw. And she stayed on the phone with me and guided me home. Uh, I walked in the house and she immediately walked me into the bedroom and put me in bed and told me to stay there until I felt better. Um, so I slept pretty much all day and then kind of came around later that day. But um, it's it's not uncommon for me to forget things like that. Yeah. You know, names of people that I've known, um, things that work that I should know how to do. It'll, I'll just completely draw a blank. And at that even, time... Even word finding. That example you just gave, Patrick, that was about a year ago, you said. Did you know that you were suffering from from long COVID at the time? At that point, I did, yeah. Um, That was one of the uh, reasons that I got the appointment in Northwestern to be seen there was because uh, I wasn't getting any help out here in the suburbs. Most of the doctors didn't know what we were talking about. And with the COVID clinic there, they were the ones that were actually able to help me and kind of give me the right path. What made it clear to you, Sarah, that you were suffering from long COVID? Well, I actually um, saw Dr. Sala at the clinic uh, September of 2020. I was really having a hard time um, as of the summer of 2020, still continuing to keep my oxygen levels up at a healthy um, at a healthy rate. And I was had a lot of shortness of breath, uh, continued on and off fevers. 
So I was just very sick for a very long time. And I, prior to this, was not sick at all, very healthy, very active. So mm. my doctors locally were not giving me any relief. They didn't know what they, they didn't know what they were dealing with. They don't know what they don't know. And so I just took it upon myself to call Northwestern. Um, my previous family members have gotten great care there. So I'm like, I have to do something because I'm, you know, it was crippling mm-hmm. and I was having a hard time even uh, going back to work and doing, you know, long, long discussions and I couldn't keep my, my oxygen levels up. And it was just, it was starting to really uh, impact my life in a, in, in a really negative way, even longer. Cause it's like, this is just not stopping. So that's when I um, just ended up thankfully with Dr. Sala and uh, then from September of 2020, I believe, was the first consult I had with him. Um, then I just continued to work with him. What, what kind of care have you received? So a lot of testing with him. Um, he was able to right away identify that some of the medications, like inhalers and steroids and things of that nature, that my local doctors were trying um, were probably not the best for me at that point, just based on what I was experiencing. So mm-hmm. we tried some different things to try to give me some sort of relief because they found I still did have some inflammation in my lungs. Um, and that was even January or February of 2021, even that there was still some more inflammation. So just different testing, uh, making sure there was quite a few follow-up, different medications. Um, and then also ended up with uh, Shirley Ryan Ability Lab and got some other testing there. Um, quite a ways down the ro- road from that time period and was able to kind of identify some weakening in my diaphragm. Um, so that's all because of working with the clinic and yeah. Dr. Sala and just kind of trial and error of, okay, what's happening and what are your symptoms and is this working? Is it not working? And ultimately with that care, along with a lot of time and rest, really and resting my body in the right way and taking care of it, I think I was able to, that's why I was able to come wow. out of the severe symptoms that I was really yeah. experiencing at that time. But now I still have these, but I, I'm understanding and knowing how to cope with them better. Yeah. Patrick, talk about the progress you've made in your recovery and what treatments look like for you. Very similar um, to what was just shared. Uh, I did uh, about a year's worth of occupational and speech therapy at Shirley Ryan. Um, had a lot of testing done, learning how to um, manage my symptoms when I get stuck trying to uh, find the right word that I need, finding a way to work around it, not getting stuck, not getting myself frustrated, things like that. Um, Different medication changes. Um, Dr. Sal was actually the first one that sat down. I got sick before testing was a thing, before COVID testing was a thing. And Dr. Sal looked at my CT scan. He took one look at it and said, well, you obviously had COVID. I can see it all over your lungs. Mm. And he said, you know, I believe you. I believe everything that you've been going through. Um, this is what we're going to do for you. He started running tests and kept, you know, in constant contact with me um, throughout the entire time. Yeah. He, he really he was the first one that jumped on it with me. And I was getting very little help from any other doctors that I saw locally. It was just a lot of shrugging of the shoulders and saying. Yeah, I, I hear that a lot. Yeah, we hear that that quite a bit, uh, which is a shame. I, so leave us with this, uh, Sarah. What should folks listening know about what it's like living with long COVID? Well, it's definitely, it's real and it's not in our head and it's something that you need to take serious and and really make sure that if you're 
having it that you 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 find that doctor and you take care and you find that care that's going to believe you and listen to you and then others around you need to just believe that this is not all in our head um, because it is real I've experienced it for the last three years mm-hmm. and I'm still living with things that are probably never going to go away just know how to cope with them and that we're not crazy and um, that you need to fight for your health as well and make sure you're taking care of it because um, you need the right care and we, we all deserve that. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We are talking about how long COVID is still affecting millions of people in the U.S. Three and a half years after the pandemic began, we've been talking with Patrick Malia and Sarah Burzma. They've both received care from the Northwestern Medicine's comprehensive COVID-19 center. Thank you both so much for sharing your stories with us. Take care. I want to hear now from the co-director of that center. You've heard his name. Dr. Mark Sala is a pulmonary and critical care specialist at Northwestern. Doctor, welcome to Reset. Thank you so much. So we just heard Patrick and Sarah talk about their experiences with long COVID over the last couple of years. Give us the rundown. What are the symptoms that long COVID uh, or COVID long haulers rather, what are they facing? So the landscape has really changed since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, you, if you take yourself back to the spring of 2020, uh, when things were, you know, the ICUs were inundated, ERs, hospital filled up. Um, at that point, we were seeing at our center um, and, you know, people were um, uh, people kind of studying COVID and seeing patients with uh, COVID, seeing that there was a lot of uh, end stage lung damage or some degree of lung fibrosis or scar tissue that was resulting from really severe infections. And as, of course, as time moved forward, uh, a lot of that um, dissipated, and thankfully we see less and less of that these days. But now what we're seeing is um, uh, the landscape having changed to a lot more neurocognitive symptoms. So people with, as you were hearing, really well described their uh, brain fog, yeah. so these symptoms of inattention, I mean, um, uh, word-finding difficulties, which can be quite frightening, if uh, mm-hmm. especially early on for these individuals. Um, yeah, 51% of, of patients had uh, cognitive impairment. 85% of them reported just a decreased quality of life. And so these are standardized questionnaires that we use in our study to note that um, quite a bit far off from normal, uh, from, from what you would expect for anyone um, in, in the normal setting. So uh, cognitive symptoms and, and a lot of um, uh, shortness of breath, especially uh, beyond what might be normal for exertion for an individual with exercise. So, for example, if someone was previously a, you know, an athlete or a marathon runner, they could expect that with their long COVID symptoms, they would be far below their baseline in terms of getting back and getting back to what their usual routine was. Yeah. So this exercise intolerance concept, um, the, a couple of a couple of examples there. And yeah. the last one is just really, really profound fatigue at times. Yeah. How many patients has your center treated since the pandemic started, would you say? So uh, we've seen over 4,000 individual new patients. Um, the study that we published had uh, just uh, been a retrospective on uh, 1,800 individuals uh, throughout the first uh, 21 months mm-hmm. of our of our center's existence. And we heard Sarah sort of break it down for us, but what kind of treatment would you say your center offers? Right. So there's a couple of components to that. One is, keep in mind, there is no, um, the, the definitions for long COVID uh, include a very heterogeneous type uh, of, of description. So you could have people who I was describing earlier, which was those coming out of the ICU uh, on oxygen mm-hmm. versus those who may have had a more mild infection but now can't get back to their daily lives but were never hospitalized. Uh, so working with that, um, uh, we don't have a one-stop uh, solution for every individual. It's very personalized. Um, and there is no FDA-approved treatment for long COVID at this point, which, you know, we're three and a half years in, but, you know, there's been a limited number of trials and there's nothing successful just yet. So we don't, we don't have a, a pill to treat this. 
we offer, offer a very um, holistic approach to um, testing to make sure there's no confounding reasons for these symptoms, mm-hmm. making a rendering a good diagnosis of long COVID, uh, and then seeing how we can help people with various forms of rehabilitation, uh, at Shirley Ryan or otherwise, um, and strategies to cope with what they're dealing with. Uh, early on, yeah. we had a lot of people with a great degree of lung inflammation. So for those people, we uh, did often try um, some forms of anti-inflammatory strategies to help mitigate that. Are there some like random new symptoms that folks have come in with that you're monitoring now that you're thinking, well, this could be, but we're not sure yet. You know, I think one of the, it's a good question. I think one of the uh, one of the nice things about centralizing this multidisciplinary care like we do at our center is you kind of have your finger on the pulse of what's going on. So, you know, as we saw hospital rates coming down, we started seeing a little bit more of these, you know, exercise intolerance uh, symptoms, mm-hmm. uh, maybe more of this or that. Um, so you do have kind of a, a feel of where things are going. Uh, as of right now, we, we haven't seen anything pop up new, which is, I, I kind of like that because at least someone can come in and I can say, yeah, this sounds pretty stereotyped right. what I might expect as opposed to something out of the balloon. And I'm like, setting have, a precedent at least. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so about 100 patients still come to your center each month, as I understand it. Uh, and your team just came up with this new study as we've been talking about what would you say then, Dr. Sala, that it tells us about the biological causes of these lingering symptoms that folks are experiencing? There's a lot of hypotheses out there. Uh, yeah. And I think our study supports the fact that uh, the, the search for maybe one uh, mechanism may be uh, misleading. Uh, a lot of our patients have very, very different types of clinical pictures, and they might not all be driven by the exact same biology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, moving forward, investigations have to be pretty careful to not try to come up with one pathway in the body that might explain everything, so to speak. Yeah, and you've got folks, when you look at the data, there are folks that are most affected here, right? I, I'm, I'm showing 65% of your patients identify as female. Um, you know, the the average age of, of someone's first clinic visit, it was 47 mm-hmm. years old. Um, 72% were white, 10% were black, 4% Asian, 13% Hispanic. So what does that demographic breakdown tell you? Uh, So for one thing, um, a couple of those things validate what's already been known, which is that um, the ICU tend to hit um, uh, men more predominantly, especially in terms of the more severe symptoms. Uh, And then it validates that most people with long COVID coming in with symptoms tend to be women, Mm -hmm. uh, especially of middle age. Uh, Though that's been published before, that's been known. Um, The, uh, I think... I don't want to mislead in the demographics here. Um, this isn't to say that uh, most people will be Caucasian or, or white who come in with long COVID. This is actually just a representation of despite having as best access as possible, so making sure that we don't have barriers to referral, people can call in and just be seen. Despite that, I think there's many people falling through the cracks. Yeah. Um, so I, the, I would just put a plug in there that the effort really should be at this point to reaching the people who might not even know they have this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it it brings us back to a major finding of your study, which is there's no one-size-fits-all treatment here. Precisely. Right? Exactly. Is there a cure in sight? Yeah, so I think the major randomized trials from the Recover Network from the NIH are are really just coming out now. Um, There is not a cure that is going to be, as I said, I think that this is going to be a as with any disease, more of a slow process, but you have to be very particular when doing this because, um, you know, if you if you try to do a trial on everyone with uh, COVID-related symptoms after the fact and give them one pill, you yeah. might come up with a negative result because you tried to go too big on it. So you have to be quite deliberate with your your group that you're trying to study there. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your colleague, Dr. Igor Koralnik, said uh, this new research, it also reveals implications for the economy. 
and and population health. What can you tell us about that? Well, so when you think about that, I mean, whether symptoms are debilitating with being on oxygen and and not being able to function and work at all yeah. on one side of the spectrum versus uh, take a couple of the stories you just had. You're on your way to work and you realize that, I mean, you, you're lost. I mean, your, your, your attention has completely blanked uh, and you kind of have to take the ride home from there. Um, big implications on being able to function at work there. Um, being able to work, being able to um, perform activities of daily living. Um, even if you said to yourself that someone on average might expect if they have long COVID that their symptoms will last six months, let's say. Mm-hmm. You're talking about six months of affliction at work there and needing accommodations. So right off the bat there, you're talking about needing uh, a big effect on the economy and, right. and system. You said something alarming earlier. You said some people might not even know they have it. So for the folks listening to us right now, Dr. Sala, what should they do if they do think that after listening to this conversation, hey, maybe this is something I have? What do they do? Yeah. So I think that um, if you get COVID for the first, second, third, fifth time, um, uh, you know, because we know these vaccines may not have the best durability in their immune uh, effect on people. Um, when you get COVID, I think a lot of people will have fatigue. Um, many people won't wind up in the hospital. Uh, you may have a protracted cough. But if this is going on, I mean, this can happen after influenza, too. This is this yeah. is a viral thing. But if this is going on for 30 days... 60 days and you're just you're not getting better i mean i think you got to talk to your doctor uh, or just simply call a COVID recovery type center just to be seen because um again i think that the the skill that is needed here is multiple specialties multiple eyes on the same individual for their given needs mm-hmm. and that's where the really the, the value is in this dr mark sala is co-director of the northwestern medicine comprehensive COVID 19 center thank you so much for stopping by doctor thanks for having me